Welcome to Hope for Your Heart Radio Broadcast. I'm Don Bradford, thanking you for tuning in to this listener-supported ministry of Hickory Ridge Community Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. Yesterday, Pastor Calvin started a new series called Responsible. From its lofty perch, the magnificent bald eagle is able to keep a sharp lookout over its entire domain. With keen eyesight, the eagle can investigate unusual disturbances a mile below as it soars through the sky. Eagles take responsibility. So must we. Knowing and doing your duty will empower you to bless others. Here's Pastor Calvin with Part 2, Response Able. Well, hello, my friends. I'm so glad that you're joining us today for Part 2 on the message I'm entitling, Response Able. So yesterday we began our broadcast. We had a great time talking about the definition of responsibility. And we began by saying it is knowing and doing your duty. The Bible is very clear that we are to bear one another's burdens. By doing that, we are actually fulfilling the law of Christ. And then Galatians 6, 5 says, each of us will have to bear our own load. And don't be so deceived that God is not marked. Whatever one sows, that shall he also reap. Now listen, there's a great book that I want to recommend to you. And it's entitled... How to Ruin Your Life by Age 40. How to Ruin Your Life by Age 40 by Kevin Lehman. It's a great book, and I think that uh, if you have young people in your house, I'd be great for them to read it, even if you're over the age of 40. Now, listen, if you're over the age of 40, uh, you probably already figured out how you ruined your life uh, or how you can ruin your life. But you know the first law on how to ruin your life is ignore the law of sowing and reaping. <laughs> That's what Paul says. Whatever man sows, that will also reap. Now, if you just ignore that law, it says, that ain't going to happen to me. Uh, by the age of 40, I promise you, you will have ruined your life. So be responsible, right? Know and do your duty. We talked yesterday about being accountable one to another. And as we think about accountability, we are to be accountable to one to another, and we get wages that keep us accountable. And now today, we're going to talk about the third point of being responsible. That is to fulfill your commitments, keeping your commitments. You know, when eagles commit to each other, now this is a pretty amazing fact. When eagles commit to each other, they commit for life. Now, regardless of how difficulties may develop, when the female hatches her eggs and the male brings fish to her, after the eaglets are hatched, the male brings even more fish to feed his brood. Even though all of the extra miles were not originally part of the bargain, the male does whatever is necessary to keep the commitment. Oh, I love that word commitment, right? And when we think about commitments, fulfill your commitments. Samuel Taylor Coleridge said, there are no rights whatever without corresponding duties. I am so thankful for the privilege of freedom, but with freedom come some heavy responsibilities. When presented with opportunities, we also are presented with commitments. You know, the greater a commitment is, the more serious the consequences when that commitment is broken. You know, one of the greatest commitments a person can make is to love and to honor and to cherish a person as long as they both shall live. You know, a responsible couple fulfills that commitment regardless of the difficulties. You know, the never-ending circle of a wedding band symbolizes the never-ending bond between two people when they exchange their marriage vows. They're in essence saying, there's no backing out. I'm going to be responsible to live with this person. 
They're going to agree to this original agreement. You know, one of the reasons I think so many marriages fail today is because they look at marriage as a contract. You know, a marriage is not a contract. Contracts are based upon the fact that I don't trust somebody. You know, I recently had a contractor give me an estimate to do some work at my house. And, uh, you know, living in Hampton Roads, you can identify with what is happening at my house. And, and the crawl space within my house has got some standing water on the bottom, right? And, and underneath my house. And it's, it's been a problem for a while. Uh, this is not something that's popped up overnight. It's, it's one of those things I've been putting off and putting off and putting off. And finally, I had a guy come out and take a look at it. And what did he do? He wrote up a contract and he says, well, this is what I'm going to do. And he listed everything that he was going to do. And then he also had in his contract how much I was going to pay him. So if he does the job, he gets to pay. And how do I get out of that contract? Uh, The way I get out of that contract is I don't have to pay him the money if he doesn't do the job. And if he doesn't receive the money, he won't do the job. You know, contracts are based upon the fact that we don't trust each other. So what did I say to this contractor? He willingly says, I'll put it in writing. That way we're both on the same page. Why? Because he doesn't trust me and I don't really trust him. I'll give him his money if he does the job, but I'm not going to give him that money until he does the job. Contracts are based on the fact that we do not trust one another. Covenants, however, and that's what marriage is. It's a covenant relationship. It is based on the fact that we unconditionally trust one another. We enter into a covenant. That's why a marriage proposal is not 50-50, not a husband giving half and the wife giving half, meeting in the middle. You do your part, I do my part. No, a covenant marriage is both partners giving 100%. You know, the importance of fulfilling this commitment is so important for a solid marriage. You know, in the regular session of the first United States Congress, way back in 1790, The first Congress met in Philadelphia on January 4th, 1790. The Revolutionary War was over. George Washington had been inaugurated as president several months before, and Alexander Hamilton was the Secretary of Treasury. And he proposed to Congress a series of measures for paying off $80 million in war debts. Congress readily passed Hamilton's first measure, which assumed responsibility for the payment of all foreign debts that were incurred during the war. However, there was a heated debate over Hamilton's second measure, calling for a payment of domestic war debts. You see, many opposed this second measure because speculators had brought up most of the domestic certificates of credit. Impoverished soldiers who had been paid with these promissory notes, uncertain whether the government would ever make good on them, had sold them at large discounts for hard currency from wealthy speculators. Therefore, certain congressmen reasoned to pay certificates would not benefit the original holders, but would reward those who were the speculators. Those who were underhanded and bought these precious commodities so cheaply. Surely the government was responsible to only pay original holders, and transfers should not be honored. Vigorous arguments broke out. To the contrary, however, and many insisted that the government must make good on its promises as a matter of principle, however justifiable avoidance might seem. You see, supporting the payment of all the certificates indiscriminately Elbridge Gary of Massachusetts insisted, unfortunate as the loss was, the soldiers had the right to sell their certificates, and the entrepreneurs had the right to risk buying them at the market rate. 
Congress had no place altering its responsibilities based on its opinions concerning private transactions. Gary remarked, Congress must conduct ourselves in this case. We must be able to and willing to pay what we agreed we would pay. It will stand the test, he said. It will give confidence to the people. But if we don't follow through with our commitments, we will lose the trust of the public. When we think about being responsible for our commitments, responsibility is a full-time job. Even your words that you speak. Watch your words, somebody once said. Not just to avoid saying things that you will later regret because it's inappropriate, but also to keep track of your commitments. Do not say anything that you do not fully intend to fully follow through on. And once you give your word, follow through. You see, it is by your words that others will know you. Our actions so communicate to others what our intentions are. If you make excuses to evade previous commitments, you will lose the trust of others. If you fulfill your commitments despite unexpected cost, you will win something far more valuable than the cost involved. You're going to win a good name. You know, many years ago, I had a pastor friend, and you know, I could never understand how he could constantly raise money for a project that he would never fulfill. He told me one time that he had raised money seven times to build a church sign. And uh, he'd raise the money, and then the money would come in, and, and all of a sudden the money would be needed somewhere else, and so the church sign never was built. My great question was, how in the world would people give to a project seven times, never seeing the church sign? But some people did. You know, we think about being responsible. We understand that when we put our name to something, when we put our commitment to something, we follow through at all costs. You see, there's no more sure of a way to lose a good name than to be one person who doesn't follow through on their promises. You know, as I think about following through, well, responsibility is one of the most basic of character qualities. It doesn't trump all others. In some rare instances, responsibility may be trumped by other qualities like virtue. You know, virtue is that moral excellence that's evidence in my life as I constantly do what is right. When we fulfill our responsibilities at home with our children and with our spouses, we are setting a good example. We're following through with our commitments, setting a good example of responsibility by fulfilling our commitments, the commitments that we have made to our children and to our spouse. You know, there's something about building that trust in the life of others. You know, when we don't take responsibility, we've got to learn to face the music. It was Benjamin Franklin who said, How few there are who have courage enough to own their own faults. You see, so many times we make commitments and then we don't follow through. But responsibility is not just saying I'm going to do something. It is actually following through. You know, Rome was burning in 64 AD. It was a shame. The entire empire was burning. The emperor Nero had caused a fire so that he could rebuild the city. Now, in order to redirect suspicious questioning, Nero shifted the blame to the Christians, blaming them for burning the city. He retaliated by having Christians captured, dipped in oil, and burned as human torches in his garden. He refused to take responsibility. He shifted the blame. You know, shifting the blame is one of the common means for avoiding responsibility. You know, after the damage is done, a blame shifter looks for a scapegoat to bear his guilt. And then he comes up with an excuse. Shifting blame can be as blatant as 
lying or as subtle as noting a convenient obstacle that covers for our own secret faults. When I think about being responsible, I think about eagles. Eagles make no excuses. They don't avoid their responsibilities because of inclement weather, but rather they take responsibility to protect their young. They protect their young from the bad weather conditions. A parent will spread its huge wings over the young eaglets, shielding them from the sun or the rain or the storm. Sidney Harris said, We have not passed the subtle line between childhood and adulthood until we have stopped saying it got lost. And we start to say, I lost it. Taking responsibility for our actions. Facing the music. You see, so many times we do just the opposite. We don't follow through. And we come up with an excuse. As you think about excelling, and you think about how God can use you, wherever you are, a responsible person is there, all of them. All of their being is there. Somebody says, if something is worth doing... It is worth doing it well. You know, if you have too many irons in the fire, you won't excel at anything. When we think about controlling the activities that are around our lives, so many times we are pulled in so many different directions and and we take on too much. You see, most people understand a sense of responsibility and, and they understand the need of following through with their actions. However, many times we just take on too much. So I want to encourage you to be a person that weighs carefully the responsibilities that are placed before you. There's an American saying that was taught to our kids in the early part of the public school system. It goes this way. Work while you work. Play while you play. One thing at a time, that is the way. All that you do, do with your might. Things done by halves are not done right. Giving your all to a task, realizing that you only have a limited amount of time. When I think about light, light is a form of energy that is emitting from individual atoms. When the electrons orbiting the nucleus of an atom are excited, they begin their normal motion, the energy level of the atoms increases. This excess energy is released as light. If such energy emission takes place spontaneously among billions of atoms, the result is a diffused light, kind of like a fire or a standard light bulb. Waves of energy shine randomly in different directions and frequencies from the light source. This is called incoherent light. If light emission is more tightly controlled, however, so that a number of atoms are all stimulated to emit energy to a certain frequency, and in a certain direction, this is called coherent light. That is the result, also known as a laser light. When light is focused into a coherent laser beam, it becomes far more powerful, even cutting through steel. As you think about the power of a life that is focused, or maybe you did this as a kid, you take a magnifying glass and you tilt it just right, And so that the rays of the sun go through that magnifying glass and it can actually start a fire on a dried out leaf. That's the kind of power that we need to have in our lives. We're responsible in focusing in our energy. You know, you only have time to do a few things really well. I discovered a long time ago, I don't have a whole lot of talents. I just focus on the few talents that God has given me. 
And by focusing on those few responsible tasks that God has given me and those talents that God has given me, I've discovered that I can accomplish a whole lot more. You see, discipline focus is of great importance for a proper exercise of responsibility. Without the determination to give full attention to a task at hand, we will miss many opportunities to be a blessing to others. So set aside some time to focus on your strengths. Set aside some time to think about what you really want to excel in your life on. You don't have time to do everything well. Choose the things that you really want to excel in. When I think about the responsibility of the eagle, within just a few powerful strokes of its eight-foot wingspan, that mighty bald eagle takes up to the sky. As he's up in that sky because he can see a mile down into the atmosphere, he can spot a fish or a rabbit or even a small lamb with its very sharp eyes. That hungry eagle pulls into a steep dive. At just the right moment, it extends its wings and swoops back toward the sky, snatching its prey as it passes over. Gaining altitude to return to its lofty nest, the eagle's wings and its talons can uh, heft up a load nearly equal to its very own body weight, which is about 12 pounds. Amazing when you think about it. How can an eagle carry such a heavy load? It's focused on what it's doing. It's using the currents of the wind. It's using the span of its wings to its fullest potential. You know, like all birds, the eagle has hollow bones because its own personal burden is light as possible. The eagle is able to devote great energy to the load that it's carrying for feeding itself and feeding its family. You know, eagles really are territorial birds. A mated pair will establish a 50 to 100 acre territory around their nest that is closely guarded. They take responsibility for this area that they have taken And they use this area for hunting, and they use this territory as needed to provide for their family. You know, an eagle takes out this large hunting region, and then he takes care of his eaglets. He takes care of those within his family. Eagles differentiate themselves between two kinds of jurisdictions. Unlike hunting territories, which are willingly shared with other eagles, the nesting territory is vigorously defended against any intrusion. You see, there's one area that an eagle is very protective of. Well, he'll let other eagles kind of hunt in his area, but when it comes to his nest, that eagle is very protective. Other eagles violating the nesting airspace are warned with a piercing shriek. If they fail to respond, a parent eagle will violently attack that intruder in flight, taking those strong talons and tumbling down that trespasser, taking that trespasser nearly to the ground before separating. When I think about that, I think about the world that we're living in. We must take responsibility to protect our family. God has given us the opportunity to have a wonderful family. You know, if you're a man listening to me today, God has given you a a, a top priority of your life. You know, I think about all the different things that people call me. I have a lot of different titles, and and I kind of know who's talking to me based upon uh, the title that they use. But I think that the most important title that I have is the title of dad. Whenever one of my kids 
call. Take it top priority. I tell my kids and I tell my wife, I says, you have 24-7 access to me. If my phone rings and it's my wife or one of my kids calling, I'll say to you, uh, can, can I be excused for just a moment? Uh, I've got a family member that is calling me. And I will take that call uh, because they have top priority. And sometimes I'll, I'll say, hey, is this really important? I'm in the middle of something, and I call you right back. But they know that 24-7, uh, I will pick up the phone if they call. Why? Because I feel my top responsibility is my children. You know, the most important human relationship that you will have as a man is your wife and your children. Everything else is secondary. Other than your relationship with God. You know, I used to have on the back of my truck a little sticker. It's a kind of an oval sticker, and it had three letters on that sticker. G-F-W. And then you look on the bottom of that sticker, and it gave what G-F-W stands for. God, family, work. You know, I had that on my truck for so long uh, that my kids would sometimes use that little sticker against me. Uh, sometimes I would get busy and and I would tell my kids, hey, I'm sorry, I can't do this for you. I got to take care of this. And uh, and my sp- son, Tyler, especially my oldest, and uh, you know the oldest ones uh, tend to kind of tell it like it is, uh, tend to be the more responsible ones in your family. And my oldest would always say, uh, now, Dad, don't forget GFW. Don't forget that GFW, God Family Work. Uh, they knew exactly what it stood for. And, you know, having kids keeping you accountable is a, is a great thing. And, and uh, sometimes it's kind of, it can be a real, uh, uh, sometimes it can be a little bit of a thorn in the flesh. And I remember one time I was, I was getting into a heated debate with my kids. And, uh, and one of my kids says, well, you know what, Dad? You know what you need to do, Dad? This is what you need to do, Dad. Dad, you need to listen to your own sermons. And that one kind of cut through the heart. Uh, but you know, responsibility, ultimate responsibility. Now, maybe you're a leader, right? You know, I think that all of us, to a certain degree, are leaders. You know, as a leader, it may not be your duty to answer the phone, but you're responsible for how it is answered. It may not be your duty to, to locate supplies. But it's your responsibility to see that the needed resources are available. Although though you can delegate responsibility uh, for certain jobs, and, and if you're a, a boss that you have employees under you, you, you're still responsible to make sure that those things flow through you and that you're held accountable. You see, a leader recognizes his responsibility for all that takes place under his leadership, and he holds himself in a higher standard of accountability the expects of others. When Paul Revere rode through Lexington, sounding the alarm, it was primarily John Hancock he came to warn. As president of the Providential Congress, John Hancock was the main reason the British were marching on Lexington. Hancock felt the responsibility of that battle, and he was sure to follow through. Rather than fleeing, He sat up through the rest of the night, cleaning his gun, getting his accoutrements ready. He was preparing to fight side by side with the Minutemen. When Revere returned to Lexington later, he found Hancock still in the city. He joined others in convincing the leaders uh, that the British wanted nothing more than to get a shot at him. Finally, Revere convinced Hancock to follow him out of the city to avoid unnecessary danger. You see, other great commanders in history have willingly exposed themselves to danger beside their soldiers. They recognize that they bore the personal responsibility not just for meeting room decisions, but also for the activity on the line. 
you know, delegate jobs. But more importantly, remember, your ultimate personal responsibility as a leader is to take responsibility. When I think about what Christ has done for us, he took responsibility for taking upon himself the sins of the entire world. That's how much God loved us. He was willing to have his son take the responsibility for the consequences of our sins. And Jesus died on that cross. He didn't miss one of your sins. Every sin that you have committed or will commit or have committed, he took care of it. That is taking responsibility. Maybe you're listening to the broadcast today and and you're struggling with this area of responsibility. Maybe you realize today I have a responsibility to God and I have a responsibility to do something and making the choice whether to receive Christ or reject Christ. You know, the one thing that we all have in common is that we're all sinners. The one thing we all don't have in common is that not all of us are taking responsibility for our sins. The best way that you can take responsibility for your sin is to acknowledge that you're a sinner. Invite Jesus to come into your heart. Ask Him to forgive you of that sin or those sins that you committed. Trust Him as your Lord and Savior, and you'll have everlasting life. Well, I want to encourage you today, if you'd like to take your journey with Christ to the next level, would you give me a call at 757-421-7500? I want to encourage you today to, to have this walk with the Lord, have this relationship with Him. And if we can help you in any way, we'll be happy to help you any way we possibly can. Thank you so much for listening to the broadcast. I want to give you part number three tomorrow on being responsible, being responsible. God bless you. Thank you for listening. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 1030 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.